the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Good to be with you on this great day. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, I hope that you are having a wonderful day. By the way, if you participated in our fundraiser for Cross International the last couple of days, thank you so much for your generosity and uh, for keeping up with, with that and saving some kids. Uh, so I really want to say thank you to, to all of you who participated. You can still do that by going to, to kkla.com or kprz.com if you're listening in San Diego. And uh, click the banner for that. So today we are back into the news, and uh, there's a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things going on. And I, one of the things I find an, an interesting discussion that is going on and something that um, we should think carefully about, but something I think that um, it's misreported much of the time, is the idea that there are some books that are being banned, Right. Now, there are lots of books that are being banned from school libraries, grade school libraries, sometimes high school libraries. Usually they're still in the city library. You can buy them online. I don't think there's any books that are actually banned banned, right, that you just can't go get anywhere uh, if you were looking at. But the controversy, you know, what I don't like is the idea that we can't separate some books um, that are not age appropriate, do you think that there is some literature or writing, I don't want to call it all literature, that there are books that are not appropriate for a five-year-old to read or an eight-year-old to read or a 13-year-old to read? I do. I think, I'm think i a parent. There's certain things I think that we shouldn't be uh, letting our kids read right now, but maybe later. Certain books I think are better later. There are certain books I think that should never be read by anybody at ever t- any time. And then there's an argument about do you allow those books to be published or do you just uh, get them out of society altogether? Uh, you know, and, and historically, bad regimes are known for burning books. And uh, bad regimes are known for censorship uh, because it ultimately censors good information, even if it is trying to censor bad. We talked about some of that earlier this week when we talked about the information on the the Twitter machine that is getting censored or got censored during the pandemic, and so much of it turned out to be right. Like you need that conversation, and I think that as as people, we should be able to determine what is profanity or what is something that is not age appropriate. We seem to be able to do that with a lot of things. We think it's not age appropriate to vote until you're 18. It's not age appropriate to have a beer until you're 21. It's not age appropriate to get your driver's license uh, until you're 16 in most places. I think there's a couple of states it's like 14 if you if you happen to live on a farm, right? There's uh, maybe they've even changed that since I looked last. But but at any rate, you're not giving out driver's licenses to eight year olds uh, most of the time. It, there's a reason for that, right? We do think that, and there's there's a reason that you don't you know teach 
um, quantum physics in the third grade because there's a whole lot that has to come developmentally and educationally before you get to that point. And I think once you get to be older, once you get to be an adult, you should be able to have a an informed conversation even about some of the more sensitive things or things that, that maybe we prefer not to talk about, but we have to talk about sexual-related issues or other things in our con- our culture because they're happening, and they do affect us one way or the other. Well, I'm getting at this because it bugs me when we're talking about the banning of books, and one of the issues related to this with schools, because we're not really talking about banning books altogether. I don't know how if anybody is really doing that. It's probably somebody. You can always find somebody and say, oh, see, these people want to ban books. But what is being talked about is the type of books that are in your school library and what is age appropriate and what isn't. So it goes into, you know, a big part of that argument last year was in Florida where they called it the don't say gay bill, but that wasn't it. It was that you're not going to have certain sex education or any sex education from kindergarten to third grade. And we have seen time after time books being taken out of school libraries that are pornographic in nature, that are literally pornography, not scientific descriptions of how a baby gets made, but pornographic descriptions of sexuality with kids, little kids. Those should not be in our school life. Now, I think those should never be created. It's horrific, okay? But, you know, they, in a free society, maybe there's some group, the kids, it should never be there. I, I could support, hey, let's not pump publish that. I think part of the problem is that anybody would publish it, right? That's a that's a place where our society has changed. That would have never been published a few years ago. Not at all. No one would have published it. No one would have printed it. We had a certain level of uh, morality, even if you weren't Christian. See, and where we've gone today is the very last place where you might find outrage over somebody's uh, personal sexual proclivities is in child pornography or sex with kids, and we're barely having that now. Like, we, we are almost to a point where now the culture is going to push that, okay? And that's what's happening with a lot of these books. And I bring this up because this was part of the discussion in Congress today, and a couple other things I thought that were interesting related to this um, happened today. This is Democratic Minority Leader in the House, Hakeem Jeffries, speaking about a particular book. I want to ban a book called Melissa. A book describing, in very personal terms, the experience of a trans girl beginning to understand her identity. What's so dangerous about that? Now, that question on its own, what's so dangerous about that? It's, a, it's an interesting question because it's meant to be rhetorical. It's meant for you not to answer it. It's meant for you to say, you're right, you know, we should be able to talk about that. It might be something that some kids are going through. And he's using this book, Melissa, because it doesn't particularly have pornography in it, right? It's something that parents, and parents, by the way, on all sides of the aisle, okay, every right and left, parents do not think their kids should be taught sexuality in those kinds of issues before they're even old enough to sort of comprehend it. You know, okay, it should be out of the grade school, especially the lower ages libraries. And in a minute, he's going to read a, a text from it. And he's going to say something else, though, that I thought was interesting that I think we should talk about it. But the, the danger, okay, with a lot of these issues is way beyond just the issue with transgender issues. It's the reasons why. It's something that is behind it. There is another thing that really doesn't have anything to do with 
people going through gender dysphoria or anything. It's beyond that. It's the breakdown of the family. It is a country that we have a culture that is barely hanging on to a family concept that I think we know it works. But you realize that, and that's why every country comes back to it. That's why countries that try to get rid of it, like Maoist China, it's a great study that uh, we need to do some time on here about that, but there was a similar thing. It was get rid of the family, get rid of this notion of uh, husband and wife, and they raise their kids. You know, everybody's part of the government. It's government family, and your kids are part of the government, and hooray for us. We are evolving, and we are are doing this right in our culture. And ultimately what happens in the uh, Chinese Revolution is everybody got oppressed by a tiny group of elites. And uh, it's horrific. So even the people who were championing the revolution eventually discovered that what they were championing by undercutting the foundation of family in particular, the traditions that cultures hold on to typically, that by trying to undo that and trying to come up with a foundation that no one's ever actually invented before, it doesn't work. It ultimately puts a few people in power who oppress horrifically everybody else. We see the same thing in in, uh, China. We saw the same thing in Stalinist Russia. We see that throughout history. And that's the scary part. You know, what's wrong with it? It's probably not exactly that particular book, except that there are things in it. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. Do you think that we should ban books from school libraries? Are there books that should be taken out because of age appropriateness because of the content, or is that some kind of totalitarian thing where we should just have it in there and, uh, you know, let our kids make their own decision? What do you think should happen? Should parents have a role with this? What do you think? 888-528-2557. This is where uh, Hakeem Jeffries went with it, and uh, I found this surprising. I was taught in, 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 in my religion, growing up in the Cornerstone Baptist Church, that we are all God's children. Shouldn't we learn about all of God's children? That's what my religion teaches me. What's so offensive about Melissa? What's so offensive about this book? Let me read a passage. Her heart sank. She had genuinely started to believe that if people could see her on stage as Charlotte, Maybe they would see that she was a girl off stage, too. All right. So there's a whole bunch of there. Okay. So the book, Melissa, by the way, it used to be called George, apparently. But uh, until last year, the book's name got changed to Melissa. It's a children's novel about a young transgender girl. Um, and it tells the story of Melissa, who really is George, but she changes her. He changes his name to Melissa. Uh, in the fourth grade, this is a book targeting young kids. This isn't high school. This isn't you know, college age. This is fourth grade. How old are you in fourth grade? You're nine. You're nine years old. This is about nine years old, nine-year-old people. You know why you target nine-year-olds, by the way, particularly uh, nine-year-old girls, but boys too? You target them because that's when puberty begins these days. And if you're going to enforce uh, or have puberty blockers and do that kind of thing, you got to start at nine, two, 12 too late. So part of, you know, he's asking what's offensive. And he's asking, he's using this book because it is one of the least offensive of a whole pile of books that are out there, okay? Uh, gender queer is just pornography. It needs to be gone. It should never be in the kid's library or anywhere else. Um, he's using this book. But 
he asks, there's a couple of things. He talks about his faith, and I want to know what you think about that. Are we taught that we just have to learn and accept everything about everybody because we're all children of God? Where does he get that? Is that really what his his church taught? Could be. Somehow I think maybe it's not, but uh, that could be. This book, by the way, part of the reason that parents don't like it, yes, it's part of the transgender agenda, uh, transgenderism, okay, but a big piece of this book, what it does, is it's also anti-parent. Okay, so here's another passage. This isn't one that she would write about. It says, she told Kelly about her bag of girls magazines and about mom taking it away. But that's not fair. Kelly, her friend, his friend was indignant. You didn't steal them. What right does she have to take them from you? And then George says, who turns into Melissa later, George says, sometimes transgender people don't get rights. And then he had read on the internet about transgender people being treated unfairly. Now, that passage in itself, it's something that people might have dealt with. But here's the thing. What is it saying here? It's saying that mom does not have the right to take away the magazines. Now, let me tell you something. George in this book is nine years old. Do you think, moms and dads, that you have the right to take away magazines for whatever reason that you have that you don't think are appropriate for your kids. I remember uh, getting, uh, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I got a Sports Illustrated subscription at some point. I was probably seventh or eighth grade when I got, is that even still a magazine? I think it is. Um, you don't want to be on the cover of it if you're having a good season because it curses you. Uh Remember the 2017 Dodgers, and they were on the cover of that, and it said, best team ever, with a big question mark on it, and then they lost 17 games in a row, uh, and then got cheated out of that World Series. Um, I got that magazine, but there's one particular issue of that magazine that comes out every year that I'll tell you what, as a, as a 12, 13-year-old, 14-year-old boy, I was very excited to get. It was the swimsuit issue, and, uh, and if you're out there shaking your head, guys, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, because you had that that thing, too. Uh, my parents often would get to the mail before I did. And I noticed that that was the version of the magazine that did not show up in my room on my desk. <laughs> and uh, they missed it at least once, to be perfectly honest. But I'm sure it got tossed. My parents had every right to keep me from that magazine. I was not going to be reading that magazine for the sports articles. That's just that's just the way they had a right. See what this book is teaching and what a lot of these books that parents are upset about are teaching. Some of them are just pornographic, but some of them are teaching something that goes beyond the issue of trans or or even gay rights or other things. It is about taking the parents out and saying that you as mom and dad do not have a right. What right does she have to take them from you? And that says some transgender people don't get rights. Oh, this is nine-year-old. No nine-year-old is having this conversation, by the way. <laughs> okay. But this is meant for young kids to to read this. And the second thing, and this is just one paragraph in this book. There's plenty that are controversial that go beyond just the the particular issue of transgenderism, okay? George had read on the internet about transgender people. What it does, and you're targeting a nine-year-old person here, okay? You're targeting fourth graders, third graders, eight years old. That's the target audience for this book, is that you can go on the internet and Google this stuff. Now you know what to Google. 
I'm, I'm telling you, this agenda is significant, okay? It is, it is something that is not accidental. It is not something that is coincidental. These are books that never would have been on the shelf when I was a kid or when most of you were a kid, even if you're pretty young. Not there. What is being taught in here beyond the sexual issues is parents don't have a right to tell you what to do. And by the way, you can learn stuff that your parents and, and have stuff that your parents don't want you to have by going on the Internet, by going to a particular teacher, by going to even a particular church in some of these books, by going outside. It's, it is something that is intentional from an academic standpoint. And this is an argument that's hard to make clear, okay? But I want you to know, and, and I'm, I'm working on something for this because I'm doing a lot of reading. I want to try to make it clear to you. Because I always think when I hear this kind of stuff, like when, here's, when I hear somebody say, oh, it's fascism or oh, it's Marxism, my initial response is, you don't even know what that is. And often that's correct. But part of Marxism, part of the agenda that is the same that was the same when, when China was going through its revolution, the same that was part of the Stalin revolution, part of the other things, part of the writings of not just Marx, but Nietzsche and Rousseau and people who are incredibly, if you get into the academics of it, incredibly influential. Like if you're wondering how in the world are we even talking about this today, those guys who were 150 years ago, they mattered a lot. And part of the agenda here is to disrupt the family. That in Marx, Marx's writing and in some other people's writings who were his contemporaries or right before him that influenced him, the idea was that the family was responsible for some of the inequities of the economics that the the mother and the father raising the kids and the state not having a role with all of that in so many ways and religion or whoever you're reading, that it's the family ultimately that leads to all of our problems and that's why it has to be broken down. And if you want to have a new system or some other kind of system that has equality or equity or whatever word you're going to use, you got to destroy mom and dad. That is the agenda from academics. It may not be the specific agenda even from this author. I don't know what his deal is. It's probably not thought out by lots of people who are teaching the gender theory and the different theory today. But for the higher-up academics who have been teaching it now for uh, the last few decades, it is the agenda, and it is why we are dealing with this. All right, 888-528-2557. Let's go to uh, Gina in Long Beach. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Gina. Hi. Go ahead. So uh, you had asked a question about do you think parents should take magazines away, and I have to say that I absolutely do think that it is our right and responsibility as parents to help our children filter the information that's coming into their lives. And having three of my own, my youngest, he'll be 16 in June. I have a daughter who's in college first year, and... My oldest will be 28. I've had, I've been in the thick of this for years. So we've had to monitor, you know, take their phones away, have them check in their phones, figure out what's, what's coming into the world. And it started with TV. Like, for instance, the Disney Channel. I noticed that a show called Hannah Montana was making the character front and center and making the parents out to be idiots. And this is back and in the I 90s, it, right? In the 90s? Oh, yeah. This, yeah. This, this is in the 90s, 2000s. This was even like 10, 15 years ago. My kids wanted to watch the Disney Channel. And I'm like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. Because I saw with my own eyes that they were making the parents out to be idiots. And-
and the children were making all of the executive decisions. Yeah. And that's just unrealistic. Right. And see, and that is, that's what I'm getting at here, too, is that you're talking about this era, and you weren't talking about transgender stuff, right? That, no. Well, uh, well here's, let me get back to the transgender yeah. gender comment, okay? Because a lot of my friends have gone through it with their kids where they're thinking, you know, they're a girl, but they want to be a boy. They want to change their name. The kids are even allowed to do that at school without even telling their parents about that's it. Right. That's I right. I mean, think, things, yes. So getting back to that. I don't understand why they're trying to make this a, a sexual, gender, whatever, preference issue when it's not. It's about connection. It's about family. It's about staying involved with your children. It's about having these conversations. But in this world, we are so isolated that a lot of these things are falling through the cracks. And children are confused. They don't have anybody to walk them through all of these life-changing decisions mm-hmm. and it's just it's becoming more and more rampant yep it that's is in, that's just my opinion no so. I, you are you're right gina and i think that you make an interesting point here thanks for calling southern california live gina you know she's talking about this issue going back to her parenting in the 90s okay so this was long we weren't talking about transgenderism hardly at all and the attack on parents back then what you have to understand and this, I know that it's hard to grasp this sometimes, is that the agenda that really is here is not about, as much as it seems like it, even transgender kids or gender dysphoria. It is about breaking down the family. I promise you that is behind a lot of what people are going on, and there's documentation about it. There's writing about it. And we are in the midst of a period of time where what she just said is right, that kids are confused. Kids are always confused because they're kids. They don't come into the world knowing everything. Like they don't know everything until they're 13, right? Then they know it all for about 10 years, and then they figure out they don't know anything, and then they they relate to parents better, and your relationship gets better, and they come back to you know reality. You know, I'm joking about that part, but you know, kids are confused. They don't know the stuff. And when they start hearing from authority figures, whether it be a teacher or a politician or your TV show or your mu- musician, uh, it is, uh, it's very, very influential. You know, one of my questions here, I got to go to a break, is parents have the right to control this in their house. Do parents have a right to speak out about what is in the school library for uh, uh, elementary kids? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Uh, when we get back, I see your calls there, Penny, John, and others, as soon as the Thursday edition of Southern California Live comes back. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back to Southern California Live. We are talking about whether or not books ought to be banned if uh, parents have the right to have books removed from school libraries that are uh, age appropriate. Who decides that, by the way? That's kind of a, you know, not age appropriate. And particularly, you know, generally speaking, we're talking about books that are uh, particularly on the LGBTQ issues. Transgenderism is a lot of them. That's all the, the top books that are being argued about. You know, in the middle of it, sometimes there are books that are getting uh, pulled out that uh, actually are not part of that agenda. And that's true on issues of uh, race, 
Uh, there's certainly some critical race theory books that are teaching things that are, you know, that guide little kids to hate each other. But there are also some books out there that actually are very historically accurate, that are age appropriate, that sometimes people ask to be banned. And that shouldn't happen, right? There needs to be some intelligence with how we go into this, right, and actually read the book. But there is an agenda that I think is much greater than just transgenderism. It is the agenda against the family with a whole lot of uh, this that is going on. Let me go to your phone calls here, and then we'll continue. Penny in Canoga Park, welcome to Southern California Live. The number, by the way, is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Penny, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you, Scott. I am so addicted to your show. I'm going to make this fast so you can answer other people's questions. All right. Thank you, Penny. about About this transgender, I was a little tomboy until I was five years old. I wore little cowboy boots, a little leather jacket. I had my little hair in braids, and my father brought me this bride doll. I was watching Bugs Bunny, so I have something for him. He put this big, huge bride doll. I said, I don't want this, and I threw it across the room. I said, I want more Tonka toys. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my dad just shook his head and walked off and left the doll there. So here I was sitting there watching Bugs Bunny, and I'd turn over and I'd look at the doll, and then I'd look back at Bugs Bunny, and I'd turn back and look at the doll. I did this several times before I, this really is a pretty doll. And I went over and I started looking at it. She's beautiful. She has little pearl earrings. Oh, my gosh. Well, all of a sudden, it clicked in me that I was a girl. So after that, I have more cosmetics now than CVS Pharmacy. And my fiance, my fiance said, oh, my God, you are so high maintenance. And it's really funny. I became a little girl. Well, I you were a little a tomboy for a while, so you learned how to work on stuff, right? And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I saw my magazine, Newsmax, with these transgendered people bouncing around in a library with all these little kids watching like what are they trying to do make this sound normal it's not it's abnormal well and it takes away the fact that uh you know the the idea of the dolls or the cars you know lots of kids uh go back and forth with that kind of thing right that's part of the part of the problem is that your experience most kids who you know, what you're talking about, tons of kids do that. You know, boys go in and put on mommy's shoes and they put on the outfits and they do the stuff, right? It doesn't mean anything when you're a little kid. Some kids have some gender dysphoria and they deal with it. But by the time people graduate, it's almost completely cleared up, almost 100%. Or they've decided maybe that they're homosexual, right? That would be the other side that happens sometimes. But almost nobody is still in the the gender dysphoria phase. And that's part of the problem with, like this book, Melissa, that is teaching kids as young as eight or nine that this is who they are because that's the age where you start to get into the medicine, when you start to get into the puberty blockers and binders and other things that are recommended when in almost every case it's unnecessary and you turn people into a lifelong medical patient. Uh, This has to be fought against. Thank you, Penny, for your call. This, we can't just let this happen. And she's talking about, you know, the, the whole drag thing. There's always been guys in drag. That's been going on forever, right? But it used to be something that would that would happen and it would be there. But it changed, right? This conversation has changed as soon as you have taken that, that the sexuality of it. Now you're forcing it on little kids. That's where it's different, right? The, the transgender thing has been a thing. But it's one thing when there's a guy in the woman's room because he thinks that's where he belongs and you kind of have to deal with it. It's another thing when it's just any guy who puts on a dress who just wants to watch little kids do their thing and it's a whole different perversion. And then we defend that person. 
See, this is not left and right. This is a culture that is breaking down. The reason we're defending it is, I think, not because we agree, but because we have a greater agenda of changing what the family is. That's the far left position. 888-528-2557. John in Glendale, welcome to Southern California Live. Well, hi, Scott. How are you doing today? I'm good, John. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Um, just uh, this might sound like uh, not a good question, but I just need to ask you. I missed your program in the beginning, so I, I wasn't sure what book you're talking. What's the, I'd like to know what the book's name is. And um, does it does it go into the, the breaking up of the family, the nuclear family? And then um, my second question is that this is going to sound kind of maybe unbelievable. But when I was a, when I was a student at UCLA, um, believe it or not, professors would really there they would they would idolize or, or really talk highly about people like Karl Marx. And because they were talking about collective society, I never agreed with it, mm-hmm. but they would say that. Listen, they're 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 all about, you know, the redistribution of wealth and just bringing society together uh, where everybody is like, in a way, helping each other out through government, you know, intervention. I don't I'd like to know. Um, I, and, and the press has never talked about how Karl Marx would be um, uh, in his writings would talk about the breakup of the nuclear family. I did not know about it. Where do you get that information from? I'd like to know. Yeah, that's a great question, John. And that's that's something I think, John, you know, whenever we talk about this, this is, you know, for me, it's something I'm working on because I want to be able to present it in a simple way. And it's not really simple. Okay. But whenever somebody brings up in a an argument these days about issues and they say something that's Marxism or it's a Marxist agenda or sometimes they'll say it's a fascist agenda with different stuff, you know, so often it's either not really accurate or it could be accurate, but nobody knows why, right? Most people don't know, well, why, what does that have to do with Marx, okay? Um, so what I would ask you to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something together and do this. I'm working on it now. But if you just Google it, Marx and the family relationship, Marx, Karl Marx, and there's his contemporaries, uh, Engels, E-N-G-E-L-S, other people, and their attitude about the family. There was a degree that where Marx believed that the family relationship was modified, his, his theory in the Communist Manifesto, okay, his main writing that people would be familiar with, talks a lot about the course of history and the family relationship that has to do with, it leads to, uh, he believes that the nuclear family led to property uh, ownership, which then led to inequality with jobs and a whole lot of things. He ultimately, he's not the only one, and he, he does it to different levels, but he hangs that on a big part on the family. Okay, and you have other writers that are contemporary. You have Nietzsche, who who ultimately says there's no God, and if there's no God... Well, then you have to, what Nietzsche would say is you got to think that through because now you've untethered morality and everything from the foundation of every society. You better replace it with something, right? And people don't. That's why this flies out of control. It doesn't work. Marx would take away the family, uh, and he would say that, that religion and the family are part of the problem economically and that the state should be working to raise the kids and the state should be working together for these problems. And the reason Marxism is attractive, right, is because there's a utopian idea out there that still some people say we can go get. It's just that it, it has never worked, and it's very quickly a disaster. So I would, I would check that out, John. I went to uh, – mm-hmm. what was your – oh, the first question you asked about was uh, the book is called well, – Mal- Yes, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. 
The book was called uh, Melissa, and it was used as an example by Hakeem Jeffries in Congress today as a book that's being banned. The point that I made with it is that the book is not the same as a lot of the ones being banned for basically being pornography. Um, like it doesn't have pictures and it's not encouraging kids to um, as far, uh, have uh, sex with each other at little, like uh, some of these books do. Um, but what it does do is it it takes away the rights of parents. It is very anti-parent and it's very uh, and it does guide kids to go to the Internet to find information about becoming transgender. And it's targeted towards nine year olds and younger. So that's oh, the okay. that's the it's reason. Melissa. Yeah, Melissa. it used to be okay. called George. Okay. They changed. It's funny because the person, is Hakeem Jeffries um, promoting this book? Congressman Jeffries? Well, what he's arguing against, it's all political. He's arguing against the Parental Bill of Rights, and he's arguing that there's nothing harmful about this book, and why are people against it? And what I'm saying oh. is that there's a reason that people are against it. Like maybe, you know, if you're 15 or 16, maybe this book is fine. You you cognitively can understand what the book's trying to do. But it's targeted towards nine-year-olds who don't understand what this book is, and it tells them that their parents are taking away their rights, and it tells them that they should go to the Internet to find trans... You know, it's... That's the reason parents oh, don't like it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, John, let me... Uh, I went to UC Riverside, by the way. And, uh, I went to UCLA. Yeah. yeah and, and I was thinking, I was a, for a while, I was an economics major until I realized I hated math. But while I was an economics major, um, every person in the undergraduate division, economics department was a Marxist, openly a Marxist, every one of them. But in the upper, in the graduate school of economics at UC Riverside, they were all conservative uh, capitalists. And one professor for a class I had, he said, and he was, he normally taught the graduate school. He said, I'm going to be different than all of your other professors because they're all Marxists. And that's, he says, that's fine for a lower division. He says, but I teach the graduate school. My graduates have to actually deal in economics. So we have to deal in reality. That was his that was his comment about it, but you know I don't understand. You know, in academia, well, I you- never listen. I never I never understood it though. I mean, it was just like I I I, I knew. You know, I'm I'm from Armenian descent, and and mm. you know my my relatives lived in Armenia during Soviet Union. I mean, they they told me the horrors of the of the Soviet structure, right, and the economic horrors of the whole thing. Yeah, I just don't understand what how these professors can be. I, they they see because they always talk about this. Equality, economic equality, and this this collectivism, and they 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 praise it so so much. Yeah, and but he, but when it, when you put it into reality, it's just it's too oppressive. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. It. And I got to go to a break here, John. But okay, the sorry, short sorry. the short answer that I would say is that when you're a college professor, you don't have to live in reality. You can be theoretical oh, okay. all day long, and you can okay. get you can your head can get into the philosophy of of Marx and Nietzsche and Rousseau and some of these people. And, you know, and especially if you don't believe in God, it gives you a reason to reject God. If you have decided that the economic system isn't fair, it gives you a reason to believe that and some kind of notion of a better system. But what you're describing with your your family and uh, your ancestors is the same that has been found in every single society, big and small, that has gone down the Marxist road. It's nothing but destruction. It, it is oppressive. And it's, in fact, it's because there's no God, meaning that there is no higher authority than the state. So the state's not accountable to anyone. And if they don't like what you're doing, then they just force you to stop doing it. 
And that's what's happened in China. That's what happened in the Soviet Union. It's what's well, it's not ha- just force you, not, not just force you, but they either torture you, put you in jail, right, or even kill you. That's right. See, and there, there's no, yeah. and that's what's happening in China now with the Uyghurs, right? There's no moral foundation to how the government ought to treat its people. And as soon as you take that away, the government will hold on to power and authority, even to the extent that they will kill you. That is, thousands of years of human history, true. Uh, and that's why this has to be stood up against. I got to go to a break. Great question, okay, John. And uh, and All as right. you listen to our show, I'm going to deal with this subject more and more as we get into it uh, later on. Thanks for listening, uh, Craig. I'll get to your call here in just a second. The number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. I'll be back as the Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. We're, we're talking about in the, the idea of banning books and not so much the books is kind of where our conversation has gone into, but whether or not parents have the right to protect their kids from reading certain things. And the book banning conversation that happened in Washington today, you know, uh, it was really about parents' rights. We played some clips from Hakeem Jeffries and uh, some books. And some of the books that are being banned are because they're very pornographic or they have, you know, a, a the agenda of the book is transgenderism in many cases or other. But the bigger issue that we have been talking about is that really the deal with all of that, and this is where it gets complicated, but it's something that we have to understand, it truly is coming from a series of different theories, including Marxism, that is against the family, that a lot of what is being done academically. You know, there are people who will talk about gay marriage and they'll say love is love and that's the argument, right? And and I think a lot of people might say, okay, that's the argument. But the academic side of it, one of our last callers talked about how his college professors at UCLA were Marxist, and he's trying to figure that out because the Marxism that his family from Armenia experienced was horrific, torturous, and evil. And that's what society, that's what has been seen when people have tried to do this. And what Marx and some of his people were trying to do was deal with the evils of capitalism, and there are evils of capitalism. There truly are. There is great greed. There is um, different... Um, if you are part of the elite, you have better rights, better access to the legal system. There's a whole lot of problems that Marxism and the writers of that day were trying to deal with. The problem is, is they replaced it with an idea that's far worse, right? I think it was Churchill. Somebody said once that uh, capitalism is a terrible idea. It's just better than all the rest. And that is true. And one of the things that Marx taught, as well as Friedrich Engels, and if you're into this kind of thing, some of these other people, is that in order to deal with the, to have a new system to work, you have to destroy the family, all right? Uh, And you have to make sure that children would be educated by the state and not their parents. That's what Marx's uh, idea of communism would be, that communists, he wrote in his manifesto, would rescue education from the influence of the ruling class. See, what, what he would say is that education is being done by the elite, and because of that, what happens is that kids get educated, and if you're educated, you, you're probably not going to be poor, and the more educated you are, you're going to be powerful. And the notion was that the state needs to educate all the kids. That way, everybody will have an equal opportunity. 
The problem, though, then becomes with if the state does a poor job or you have to eliminate parents, and that's what's going on now, right? We're trying to get rid of the parents' involvement in kids. And the, the society breaks down. It isn't that there aren't inequalities and injustices between classes. There certainly are. I mean, look at our world today. You know, is we have this teacher strike going on, right? And there's a there's a difference in school districts based upon the number of tax dollars you get, property tax, um, from the people who live around the school. That's that is the system that needs to be fixed. But the wrong answer is to make everybody dumb, right? The wrong answer is to decide we're going to lower the education of everybody so that we can be equal. The wrong, you know, there's a better answer. There's a you can change the way schools are funded. You can change the way schools are staffed. You can do all of that, uh, unless your goal is something else, unless you have a greater goal of this utopia, this idea that if we get rid of mom and dad. And if we put the state in charge and we get rid of God and if we get rid of, you know, the, you know what's happening with all of the different things uh, in the with transgender and, and the LGBTQ, I, you know, all the numbers and letters, is that you're also dealing with the, the philosophical idea that came about in the sexual revolution that if you get rid of God and you get rid of the nuclear family – then you still have to find a way to agree on what is moral, and you have to find a way to have a foundation of society. And the ultimate foundation of society then becomes bodily pleasure. You can do whatever the heck you want with anybody you want, whatever age they are. As disgusting as that sounds, that is philosophically, academically, what we're seeing play out. And I know that that's complicated, but you can read all of this. In fact, uh, in a second here, I want to get to the phone. In a second, I'll give you a book title that uh, it's, uh, it'll take you a while to get through it, but it's excellent book um, that will help you with a lot of this. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Craig in Canoga Park, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, this has been going on since the beginning of time. Uh, one of the first stories in the Bible starts with Adam and Eve in the garden and dealing with this transhumanist animal snake, uh, trying to convince her that, uh, did God really tell you that you couldn't eat the apple? Right. Maybe told Adam, but, but what about you? Did he really tell you? And so she's got to make a bit of, she's trying, he's trying to make her more powerful and self-determined to make up her mind about what, that she's the determiner of her life and her goals and her thing. And so he's got to build her up to make that determination. Having been in door-to-door sales for uh, many years as I was growing up, uh, that was the number one thing that you had to do is you had to convince the party that was at the door that they were the one who could make the decision about this. And now this is flipped down through uh, TV uh, all the way down to our children. As I mentioned, the Hannah Montana thing, saying that the parents aren't the ones who make the decision by this product uh, or make right. determination about who you are. It's It's you. And so... All the media is focusing and focusing down younger and younger to make that determination that, yes, you're the one that's in charge of your life. Um, and, of course, we know how that happened, worked out for uh, even the garden. Yes. Um, and that, that ultimately, Craig, is the problem that all of this is, because what, what all of this is about, when you start to talk about Marx and all these people, what they are, what they are drilling down to is that religion, whatever religion, but especially Christianity— uh, capitalism, uh, sexual mores, all of those things, what they're saying ultimately together is that all of those things prevent you from becoming your authentic self. 
And you do hear that language in the transgenderism and other stuff is you need to be your authentic self. And that's, that's the Marxist influence. Okay. That's the influence of all of this stuff. And that is the big problem. And you're right. It's going on since Genesis chapter three is uh, you get to be about God. As far as King Jeffrey goes, I hear a lot of liberals saying, yeah, my church, my belief, I thought it was God's Bible in his word, but, uh, you know, I see a lot of people picking and choosing what they want to believe out of the Bible to simply uh, support a position or evidence their belief. I, and I don't really believe that's what he was taught, uh, although I keep on hearing that there are some pretty crazy liberal churches out there but you know, teaching things. But, uh, I mean, it's, you can't get through the basic stories in the Bible without seeing that, you know, God has been pushing obedience versus uh determination yeah. through the whole Bible. And that's, I got to let you go. I want to go to one more call. I'm almost out of time here. Thanks for your call, Craig. That is kind of the point about self, even with churches. And there's conservative churches who will who will ignore parts of the scriptures to fit their own agenda. Liberal churches will do that. Um, when you, whatever he's saying, I don't know if that's what his church really taught. But the idea is if I don't agree with it, I don't have to go with it. It's the modern self. We make ourselves God. We make ourselves the authority. And that is at the core of the problem here. We're rejecting Genesis 1 through 3 and everything about it. The Creator, we're rejecting the fall of man, we're rejecting male and female, all of those things. Scott and Villa Park, just a moment here, a uh, few seconds. Go ahead. Uh, this is Scott. I am a surgeon and also an ordained pastor. I have a son that is also a surgeon, and we, we debated a few days ago about this. Uh, it was on the news about a 13-year-old had a mastectomy, and now she is 18. Now she regrets. Right. It's totally almost going to doctor. Yeah, just 10 so more I seconds here. Oh, is that right? 10 more seconds? Yeah, go ahead, okay. Scott. I'm sorry, we're almost at a heartbreak. Okay. All right. My question, actually, I'm asking question here. If she asked, I asked her, I asked him, how this can be, is it possible? Will you, and he, Rebut with me is this, that what are you going to do with someone with ambiguous genitalia? Are you not going yeah. to operate on the person? Right. Scott, so, I got to go. Your your point here is super important, and maybe you can call back tomorrow because we have open line. I'd love to hear your question in more detail, but I'm out of time. Hey, the book I was going to recommend to you is called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Christian book by Carl Truman. It is excellent, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Tomorrow's open line Friday. If I didn't get to your calls, uh, we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about tomorrow from 3 to 5. Thanks for listening on Southern California Live. We'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. Scott Furrow, good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.